Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now from the Combine on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, how's it going? It's going well, Stacy. How you doing? Uh, I'm well. Obviously, um, a quote from John Schneider making the rounds this morning. It uh, came out earlier during our show. It's him saying, Gino's the starter until he's not. I thought that was pretty definitive praise of Gino, or or at least as close to a solid answer as we can get about Gino's future. But obviously, there's been some mixed reactions. We also don't have the full quote and full context because we don't have the audio here. So that's where I wanted to start. What did that conversation sound like to you, and what did it indicate about John Schneider's feeling on Gino? Yeah, I mean, I, in, you know, he talked more about Gino off the podium afterwards, and in that he was asked about kind of the timing of that roster bonus, and some people were trying to read a lot into what that meant or I'm sorry, converting the roster bonus to a signing bonus. Um, and, you know, the, what Shire said there is, you know, people made too big a deal of that and were wondering, you know, is he going to be here? Is he not? And what Shire said is he was always going to be here. So, um, you know, it, he's our starter until he's not. I and mean, you could probably say that about every single person in the NFL. It's, um, you know, it's sort of a day-to-day league. So, um, I, you know, it sure everything I've heard and seen, it sure feels like Geno Smith is, most likely this team's quarterback going into the 2024 season, but you just, you never know. I mean, things can happen. They could draft a guy and then maybe we have a competition quarterback, but you know, who knows? So I, I just think that general managers and coaches as a general rule have learned to stay away from extremely definitive statements because those can come back to haunt you if, if things right. unforeseen things come up. But yeah, I mean, it seems like Gino's their guy right now and that's how they're going forward. But you, you know, you always stay flexible as well. John, it sounds like um, Schneider's excited about this new coaching staff. Anyone specific yeah. or anything specific he said about them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's obviously it starts with Mike McDonald, but he's just really excited about the group they built. It's you know, it's an interesting coaching staff of you know, this isn't a bunch of guys who all work together in Baltimore or somewhere else. It's guys from all over, a lot of different ideas, guys from the college level, some NFL veteran guys. So, I think he's just really excited about that coaching staff, and then. You know, the, the biggest takeaway I got from him talking about coaches today is just like how kind of far behind they are on all this. And so I, I do think, you know, whether it's the Gino question or, you know, whatever you hear about free agents, it's, it feels like they're being extra vague this time of year. But I don't think that's by design of like, hey, we're trying to keep stuff from everybody. I just really think they don't know a, a lot of th- decisions still because, you know, when it was Pete and John forever, they go into the offseason, hey, here's how we see these guys. We know we like this on their roster. We need to fix this. They haven't really sat down the coaching staff and fully assessed this roster yet mm-hmm. because the first thing they had to do was build a coaching staff, and that's something they just finished. So, you know, when it comes to free agents, when it comes to all these questions about their quarterback situation, all these things, like John and Mike and the coaching staff haven't really had all those conversations yet. Now, knowing that your answer was just, hey, it's super early in a very new process and different process, I do have a question that, that might necessitate the same answer, but I'm curious as to whether Jamal Adams came up and, and what that conversation might have been like. He, he did come up off the podium, and it was really just a, like kind of what I just said, like, yeah, yeah. you know, we're still assessing that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a very non-definitive answer that John Schneider gave, but... Yeah, I mean, you talked about his health, too, a little bit, just how hard last season was on Jamal. I think we all saw that. Of like, He was not the player that you know he wanted to be and the team hoped he would be. So, you know, the hope is, if he is back, that he's a lot healthier of a player this year. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a decision. That, that's, that's, I think, 
next week when all the player personnel staff is back from the combine. I think that's when they really start digging into all those roster decisions, whether it's free agents, you know, some of the, you know, we see it every year. There's some of the cap casualty guys. So I, I think those decisions will probably start being made more next week. John, I talked to a couple of the guys that I know across the league who are coaches, and it seems like more and more staffs are not going to the combine. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the Hawks situation is a bit different. Is it simply because, look, we got so much work to do back home. Uh, let's not worry about this. Uh, what's their approach, and what are the approaches of these other teams that aren't going? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess we'll maybe see what they do next year. It'll give us a better indication. Like, the, the explanation John Schneider gave on, on your guys' station was more about, you know, catching up, this being the first year. You know, they, they got to put a playbook together for offseason workouts, all that. So uh, it, that answer didn't seem to indicate this is a permanent thing, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, more and more teams are going that way. I think I think the thinking is they can get the, you know, they can get the video of the interviews. I think the head coaches can even zoom into those interviews. They can, you know, they can watch all the workouts on video. So um, I think some coaching staffs just feel there's more value in being home, working on the coaching side of it. And then there's coaches who still see a lot of value being in that room for the interviews and all that. So again, I don't know what this coaching staff will decide going forward, but that's the way they're doing it this year. And it will, um, you know, it will change up the interviews a little bit. I mean, in the past, Pete Carroll was very much driving those interviews. It was more coach-led than personnel staff-led. And this year it's going to be guys like Matt Berry and Trent Kirshner, Aaron Heinlein. Like, those are going to be the guys leading that interview instead of coaches. This first-round pick, a really interesting one for Seattle. Now, last year that was because it was the highest pick that Pete and John had ever had. This time it's because they don't have Pete, so you're wondering what that pick looks like. It's high enough to take a quarterback if J.J. McCarthy is there, but not high enough to take an obvious one. Also, they don't have a second-rounder, and you know that John loves having as many bites at the apple as possible. What does your gut tell you they do, and um, do you think there is a possibility that they do go with a quarterback there? I mean, I do it. I would probably say this to you every year, and then they haven't. But the, the answer, we heard it from Josh Schneider again. He, he brings this up almost every year when he's asked about it. Like, he comes from that Ron Wolf Green Bay lineage where they drafted and developed quarterbacks even when they had a starter, and it led to, you know, them some, some good backups, some guys they traded, and, and just different successes they had. So he said, you know, he's kind of disappointed. They've only drafted two quarterbacks in his 14 drafts, and he doesn't really like that. So, yeah, I think there's a very good chance they do, but I would have probably told you that last year. So um, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. And, yeah, I mean, what may be a good way to do that if there's not a guy they like at 16. Do they trade back and try to get into the second round? Do they try to you know get a late first and a third? Who knows how that looks? But uh, given Schneider's history and the fact that they're currently missing that second round pick, a, a move back would not surprise me at all. John, this might be hard to answer, um, but it's been a few weeks now that uh, Mike McDonald is the head coach and – Obviously, he said he wants to keep some of what Pete has done. He wants to make things his own. I'm just talking about, like, in VMAC, have you seen any changes, any uh, any different vibes, any different a desk in a different place? I'm trying to see how he's remodeling this thing. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they were, when the coaching staff, this is actually, this happens all the time in the offseason, but they were, you know, painting some walls and changing the carpet. But, yeah, you know, there has been a little bit of shuffling of coaches' offices and all that on the second floor, and, uh, it's, you know, it, it's way too early to really know, you know, what the, the imprint of this coaching staff is going to be. You know, I do, we've heard from Mike Donald that, you know, he, Mike McDonald, that he understands, you know, that he's coming into a really good situation culture-wise. So that, you know, that's not something he really needs to change as much as he's just going to make his imprint on the football team. And, you know, it'll obviously have his personality. It's not going to be the same as what Pete was, but 
I, I do think he knows he's coming into a pretty good, a pretty healthy culture that it doesn't need an overhaul. What free agent decision um, for the Seahawks? So this would be pending Seattle free agents as opposed to outside yeah. guys where we have no idea. Um, what pending free agent decision is most fascinating or interesting for you, John? I mean, it's probably Leonard Williams, both because of, you know, just he's probably the most high profile guy and at a position that's you know, a little more value in terms of, you know, the importance and the pay and all that. And then also because it's the guy they traded for it, Schneider acknowledged that today is kind of frank about it. It's like, look, when you give up that kind of compensation, it puts a little pressure on you to sign the guy and get that deal done. So, um, you know, they, they'd love to have him back. To me, it's, you know, him and Jordan Brooks are the big two. Those were some very important parts of your defense and guys that they would love to have back. Um, I look at Baltimore, and you got Matabuke, who looks like he's going to be franchise tag. You got Queen, yeah. uh, Geno Stone, uh, Jadavian Clowney. If you were Mike McDonald, you think he's trying to get some of those guys in purple over here, or do you feel like um, they are going just to try to duplicate what they did in Baltimore with different personnel? You know, I'm sure him and he and John will have those conversations. You know, again, I think next week is sounds like when they're going to get into a lot of that, and. You know, it's, it's the case with any free agent. A lot of those come down to money. If if one of those guys he likes from Baltimore is is available at the right price, I'm sure he would he would love to make that happen. But you can't go, oh, we're gonna just try to rebuild Baltimore's defense with Baltimore guys and, and then overpay for a bunch of guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some big names from that defense you mentioned that that will be available, but. You know, we'll see how, how they spend that money in free agency. Kind of a weird question, John. Bump and I earlier were... Right. I know, I know. But this one's pretty easy, it is. Um, Bump and I earlier were talking about if we could wave a magic wand and, um, you know, change one thing about the Seahawks season uh, to make it um, a bit different. For instance, like uh, he said, Abe Lucas not being hurt. I said uh, mm-hmm. Nuosu uh, not being hurt. Where Where you think it would give you a better picture of where the team's at, what do you wish that you could have seen that would let you kind of have a better gauge? So, for instance, a player that you would have that you yeah. wish would have been healthy, so you could be like, I'd have a better idea of what this group looks like. Honestly, you kind of hit both of them on yeah. the head because I mean, the Lucas one, not just Lucas himself, but I think that sort of highlights one of the issues that offense had with the lack of consistency on the offensive line, and that affected everybody. And you know, in fact, a quarterback play. I mean, Geno Smith was a little more up and down last year, and then he had a great finish to the season. So could he have been a little closer to that level quarterback if, if they'd have been healthier up front all year? Maybe. And then on defense, I'm, I'm not saying it was just one guy, but their their run defense in particular really started to take a downward turn around when when uh, Nuosi did go out. So, um, yeah, both those guys, I mean, I think, if, I think if you had either one of them healthy a whole 17-game season, you might be – talking about a different result in terms of being a playoff team or not concerned they're only one game from that. Where, where's Drew Locke in this whole situation? I mean, I feel like, John, he's capable of being a starter in this league, getting a, another opportunity. But then you see Russell Wilson is probably not going to be in Denver. You got Kirk Cousins making a move. I assume Desmond Ritter's not going to be in Atlanta. What do you think the, the best move is for Drew Locke, to stay put or probably uh, seek another, another job elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, shoot, we'll see what you know what transpires here. I mean, the way that John Shires talked about him, I think they would love to bring him back if they can make that happen. But you also fully understand from Drew Locke's shoes, like if you got a better chance to start somewhere else, you've got to take that opportunity. But yeah, to your point, I, I'm not going to pretend to have a landscape or a grasp of the landscape of all 32 teams at quarterback right now. But there are some names that are going to be out there, and 
some free agents who are available that you would think might be, you know, higher priority than, than Drew Lock to a lot of teams. So I don't know that that clear chance to start is there, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the market dictates for him, but the Chefs would love to bring him back and have him be a part of this. He, you know, he showed last year, he, he played really pretty well when he got the chance. Hey, John, obviously being at the Combine in person, very, very cool, but it also means you don't just have to go to John Schneider's press conference. You were able to walk around, check out a couple different podiums, hear from a couple different people. Obviously, you're going to be able to watch uh, different players. I know it's early, but anything else so far kind of standing out, sticking with you, interesting observations or moments? Yeah, I mean, I did go pop over to both John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta's press conference to get questions Mm -hmm. about Mike McDonald. So I got to kind of hear those guys rave about Mike and, and what he's going to bring to the Seahawks. But, yeah, I mean, it is fun to just wander around and, you know, catch up with a lot of people in the media I've gotten in over the years. And then as we get further into the week, see some of the player stuff on the field. And, I'll, I'll you know, like I usually do here, I'll get a little behind-the-scenes time with some of our scouts. So hopefully have a good story to share with people in the coming weeks from that. Very cool. Is that going to be on Seahawks.com as a quick follow-up? Yeah, eventually. I don't know the exact timing of that. Usually yeah. with those behind-the-scenes ones, it take a little more time and all that. But, yeah, we'll, you know, I'll get I think tomorrow we're going to be spending some time with some of our scouts and all that. Hey, John, um, we caught wind of a, of a flex, and I kind of like it. I want to know if, if you've heard any rumblings about this. Marvin Harrison is not doing anything. He does not have an agent. Uh-huh. He <laughs> says, look, draft me if you want. I'm getting all the money, and I ain't running. <laughs> have you guys been talking about that, and what are your thoughts? I, I have not, you know, I heard he wasn't working out. I haven't heard much about it, but uh, I haven't heard you talk about it. But, you know, hey, if, I think for the vast majority of prospects, that may not be the best strategy, but when you're the clear cut, you know, maybe the best non quarterback in the draft and looking like a top five pick, you can kind of do things your own way and it'll probably turn out just fine. He is John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com. Make sure you keep an eye out for his updates from the combine on Seahawks.com. Thanks so much, John. We appreciate it. Boyle! Of course. Thanks for having me. See ya. Let's get to four down territory. This is four down territory going inside, inside the, the game. game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Well, 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 what do we have here? First down that has nothing to do with football. Go figure. Golf lover. Absolutely. Michael nothing. Bumpus is here to talk about uh, an interesting thing happening um, between two tours. Live tour golfer Taylor. Is it Goosh? It's whatever you feel. Okay, cool. Says that if Rory <laughs> wins the Masters, it will have an asterisk to it. That word always. Remember we talked about words that get me? Asterisk, asterisk. is my, for sure. I just go that thing. Yeah, start. that definitive. Clearly, I've said it multiple <laughs> times today wrong. And um, uh, there's another one that I'm blanking on. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Yeah. Please what, continue. What matters is uh, Goosh hating on Rory. Now, Goosh, now, you've um you've made a lot of money. He made $36 million on the live tour. He left the PGA to get that guaranteed money. Not mad at him. A lot of people are mad at you, though, for doing that, right? Politics are involved. Now, he did get to play in three majors. He missed the cut in two. All I'm saying is mind your business, dog. Mind your business. You left the PGA. It's harder for you to to play in these majors. You got to go to what the DP World Tour or the Asian Tour to try to qualify for these majors. You made your decision. Now, Rory has made some mistakes, and he was pretty harsh on the Live Tour, and he's kind of did that, the woolen backpedal, and said, you know, I might have been wrong about some things, but here it is. He's loyal. He didn't leave the PGA. He can play in the Masters. If he wins and he completes his Grand Slam, it is what it is. Because you ain't there don't mean nothing. The Shambos are going to be there. Uh, Phil Mickelson is going to be there. 
Kepka's gonna be there. I'm just saying, bro. Just this was so unnecessary. Just mind your business, make your money. You left, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Let Rory be Rory, the number two player in the world. I just had to get that one off my chest. It ain't <laughs> Wednesday yet, but you know I had to get a little early. I had start. to get a little get off my lawn moment. Second down. The Arizona Cardinals did something, and it highlights the personality of their quarterback. Though some question it, why do you feel it's necessary? You know, on um, on like Valentine's Day, you got to post your significant other, the wife, right? I'm married. My wife appreciates that. Um, the Arizona Cardinals went out of their way. Everyone knows Kyler Murray is their guy. They went out of their way and said, or put a tweet out and said, our number one quarterback, our franchise quarterback, and had a picture of Kyler Murray. Now, the reason why I say this is necessary is because of the world we live in and the person that we know Kyler Murray to be. He needs words of affirmation. He needs those actions. Yeah, exactly. His love language. This is how he operates. So I think that is necessary. I also think that, man, is sad, dude. Just, you know, Gannon, hit your boy up, talk to Kyler Murray and say, look, you're our guy going forward. We're not going to Josh Rosen you. We're not going to do what you did to Josh. We got you. We are there. But um, I I saw the situation go down. I shook my head. But then I also said, look, you can't be that, that old guy all the time. You know, sometimes these younger athletes, they need that. They need the world to know that the organization has my back. So, yeah, I guess it is necessary, I think, is, but I also think it's sad, man, because um, it should just be a conversation. You don't have to go out there and profess your love to the world mm. that Kyler's your guy. If they were to get rid of Kyler, I think everyone in the league will call him crazy at this point. He came back last year when he didn't necessarily have to come back, and that team looked pretty dang good with Kyler Murray over there. Focus on the draft and surround this dude with some talent because you are in one of the toughest divisions in all of football. Uh, Sad, but I guess it's necessary. Kyler and the Arizona Cardinals having some good moments late once he came back is not necessarily an underrated storyline about the season, but certainly a forgotten aspect of the story of Kyler in Arizona and his importance there. I absolutely agree. It's this really interesting kind of like, well. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget what he can do. Exactly. Third down. There's a business move you understand about the NFL, but you feel it's ethically wrong. What is it? Wrong. Ethics. Horrible NFL. But I understand why you're doing it. They are lowballing these running backs. Um, Zeke got the bag, didn't perform at a high level. Uh, who was it? DeMarco Murray got the bag, didn't perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. David Johnson got the bag, didn't perform at a high level. But Caffrey got the bag, got hurt, and then he got the bag again, and now he's balling. Running backs are getting the short end of the stick here. They touch the football other than quarterbacks, right? Ball carriers, guys who have the uh, potential to get tackled. They touch the football more than anybody in football. Emmitt Smith, 4,924 touches. Say a guy like LaDainian Tomlinson, 3,798. The top 20 guys to touch a football are all, in, in NFL history, are all running backs. That's the same reason why they're not paying these dudes because they know that over the years they're going to wear down. So you're going to abuse these guys on these rookie contracts. Then when it's time to get paid, you're going to lowball them because you've ran them into the ground. You could have a two-back combo back there and kind of lean on one back, lean on the other. No, you're going to run them into the ground. And I understand why you do. It gives you the best chance to win football games. Makes complete sense. But I think the NFLPA has to do something about this because they are clearly way more valuable than they're being priced at when it comes to these guys. You got Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, who are going to get paid like $9 million a year next year. They should clearly be getting about $14, $15 million for multiple years, but the NFL is not going to do that because they're smart when it comes to business. But when it comes to ethics, that's just wrong, man. Mm -hmm. And I heard, I was listening to somebody on the way to work. I forgot who it was, but they said, 
what they should allow the running backs to do is to enter the NFL draft after two years of college because once they get 26, 27, 28, you're looking at them um, like they're no good. So give them another year of opportunity mm -hmm. to capitalize on their health because you are going to run them into the ground. It's a brutal position. Guys choose to play this position, but uh, the way they're paying them is crazy, man. Fourth down. What's a quote you heard from an NFL coach that would force a player to pack his bags? Ooh, we. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I think he was already um, halfway out. You know, like when you uh, when you come back from vacation and your, your stuff's like halfway packed. You're like, oh, I'll just leave it there for a little bit. <laughs> Do like, I unpack he, it he all? He was the opposite. He's like, I'll pack a little bit. I'll, you know, I'll start with the undergarments and then I'll get back to that. He's already on his way out, right? Uh, but uh, our guy Morris said, man, I wouldn't be here if we got better quarterback play. Shots fired. I don't think Morris did that with malice in his heart and on his mind. But he's being completely honest. If Desmond Ritter played better, he wouldn't be there. Therefore, Desmond Ritter ain't going to be there. You got Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and a whole bunch of guys in this draft that um, that want to be in ATL or, or at least looking at that spot. But I'm going to go and say it's going to be our guy Russell Wilson in the ATL. It makes sense. I want it for you, honestly, because mm -hmm. you have been a big advocate for Sierra getting back to her hometown. I just think it would the the potential for, you know, some fun collabs, a new album. I've always liked Sierra. There's always been just pop culture moment for one minute. I'm sorry, this is annoying. There's always been this idea of Sierra changed Russell Wilson. And I think that her celebrity did do something. You don't think she did? I think her celebrity made him feel more famous, but actually did make him more famous because in sports, there are people that we think are like the center of the universe, but Sierra is more famous than Russell Wilson and was more famous than Russell Wilson before they were married. Let me tell you one thing. She is the sweetest person. Let me tell you she one really thing. is. Uh, Russell used to wear khakis and Hawaii shirt, Hawaiian yeah, but, shirts, right? But, Listen, let me okay, finish. Okay, let me finish. Sorry, okay, okay. okay. All right. When I, before I met my wife, I dressed differently too. Yeah. Or I okay, thought, I I thought differently. That. You know, I, I had different uh, outlooks on life. So to think that Sierra did not change him, I okay. don't know about I'm walking that. it back. You're right. I'm walking it back. This is what I'll say. She didn't make Russell Wilson have issues with the Seahawks front office. See? Here's the thing. You think she did? I think that when you're at home and you are pillow talking it, Wifey influences how you attack some situations. Man, they, they don't appreciate me, babe. Yeah, babe, they don't appreciate you. <laughs> no, nah, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to let them know. I'm going to let them know. I'm unlimited. You unlimited, boo. You unlimited, boo. I'm telling you, it goes down, man. <laughs> you unlimited, boo. That's right. That's right. Tell Mrs. Them. Unlimited. Hey, hey, let's do a video right now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, hype train coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. What I need to know coming your way in 15 minutes. Get your questions in to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. You can text those in in 15, or you can text them now. I'm already starting to keep them. So if you want to get your question in, go ahead and do it right now. Let's head to the station for Hype Train. I'm excited to get to the second hype train, but it's not where I'm starting. Now I'm going to tell you a trend, a prediction, an idea, whatever, in the world of sports. And if you agree with that, you are boarding the That's train. That's why it's the second hype train. I know. Because you're not starting there. I'm not, but I, because I'm building to it. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm okay. not starting out with the hottest take hype train. 
I'm going to start with just kind of like one to just, you know, it's like the little train that comes in like, hello, it's the breakfast cart. <laughs> you know, do you want a, a scone? I don't know why I did said, hey, said that in a British accent. Heads up, your British accent was on point today. Your Boston accent was on point today. Yeah, yeah, it was. The British accent has been on point. You know, Dad and Daddy. What's all this on about, Den? I, I have not stopped saying that. I said it so many times after our interview off air by myself, driving. A car cuts me off. What's all this on about, Den? <laughs> I, I, believe couldn't, you. I couldn't stop. First type train is an easy one. I've been doing a lot of these for free agency. Uh, and of course, given John Schneider's comments from the combine earlier today, free agency is top of mind once again for us. Leonard Williams. Is a Seahawk in 2024. Easy peasy. That's where we're getting started. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. They get the job done. They get the deal done. He's going to do it because um, I think that Mike McDonald is looking at what he did to help this defense and goes, look, I don't know if I'm going to find that at free agency. I don't know if I can find that in the draft. I might be able to find a young guy in, in the draft to kind of work with uh, with Leonard Williams and, and develop or whatnot. But what I do know is that Leonard is ready to go right now. Therefore, I got to get it done. All right. The first type train is that Leonard Williams is a Seahawk in 2024. Curtis, what say you? Well, I think in a perfect world, Mike McDonald would have loved to have Justin Matablike from Baltimore, but doesn't look like that's going to happen as Baltimore looks like they're going to be tagging him if they can't get a deal done by March 5th. So who becomes... The next obvious move in that spot, and I think it's Leonard Williams. So I think Leonard Williams is back as a Seahawk in 2024. I'm boarding that train. Uh, it would just be, it, it would make too much sense to bring it back. Yeah, I know that you've mentioned this as an example before, um, but John Schneider clearly likes to not lose those trades, likes to have as yeah. many picks as possible, and I think he sees re-signing Leonard Williams not only as making that trade good but almost as getting that pick it's kind of like with a second round pick you got Leonard Williams uh, I'm saying that he stays here as well it's going to be an expensive contract it means that you've got 17 per invested in both Dre Jones and Leonard Williams it means you need more from your defensive line but it's also the situation you're in so now you got to go to it we're uh, leaving out a, a factor though Leonard yes. has to want to be here, too. That's a very good point. He's got to want to be here. And hopefully, with the addition of Mike McDonald and that defensive staff, he's rejuvenated. He wants to be here. Um, I also could use a fourth, potentially fifth type train if anyone wants to send one in. I know that's kind of lazy radio, but I can't decide on a good one. Maybe someone has a better one than I do. I have kind of a boring one late. I might switch it out. Next type train. I'm excited for this one. Russell Wilson was on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall. And as part of this, he was talking about what happened in Denver and, uh, you know, his feelings about being benched and why it happened and how he felt leading up to it, why he refused to take, um, you know, those incentives out of his contract, because for him, it would have set a really bad precedent where mm -hmm. teams can say, we're benching you unless you remove this part of your contract. And honestly, like, I can't fight him on that. No. I think he's right. Um, he also talked about what he wants for the future. He said he wants to be in a place where he's wanted. In an ideal world, he stays in Denver, but recognizes that that might not be the case. He also said he wants to win two more Super Bowls in five years. Now, that's a lot. That's Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs territory. That's not necessarily what this hype train is, but the hype train is yeah. this. Russell Wilson <laughs> will get to a Super Bowl before the Seahawks. It's kind of a good one, right? It is a good one. Right. I'm thinking about the possibilities. Good. We're talking about Atlanta. We're talking about Pittsburgh. Uh, could be talking about Minnesota if Kirk Cousins gets up out of there. Um, no, I don't think so, man. I think the Hawks are are 
not close, but trending. I, I think that because of the, the change, I think that because um, of the moves that I think might go down. And uh, yeah, I just don't know where Russ is going to end up. There's a chance Russ doesn't play on a team next year. I don't think that's going to go down. But uh, all possibilities are open. There's more direction with the Seahawks than there is with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, nah, I ain't on that thing. Uh, all right. Russell Wilson will get to a Super Bowl before the Seahawks. Bump is not boarding. Neither are a few listeners from uh, the 206. Nah, dog. <laughs> uh, Curtis, what say you? Nah, dog. <laughs> he ain't, he's not winning two more Super Bowls in five years. Uh, he's not winning a Super Bowl before the Seahawks do. I just, I. Russell Wilson's best days as a quarterback are behind him. He was decent last year, but not decent enough to win you a playoff game or get you to the playoffs or even win a Super Bowl. Uh, if he does win another Super Bowl, it's going to be as like a backup, maybe part time starter. I just don't see it. Uh, so I'm not boarding this train. Russell Wilson, you've had a great career. Uh, I don't know if it's going to end with a gold jacket, but uh, nothing to be ashamed of uh, in terms of what he's accomplished in his in his professional career. I was stuck on this one for a while because what the hype train is really about, truly isn't whether you think Russell Wilson's good enough to get to a Super Bowl. It's about how close you think the Seahawks are to a Super Bowl, um, which is really the challenge here. And I think that they're closer and can be closer than I give them credit for. I tend to be a doomer, and I'll recognize that. I tend to be critical, and I recognize that. I also think that a lot of stuff went wrong for this team last year that was out of their control. Injuries, right? Weird games, like bad calls, just weird things that happened. Now they had coaching issues. They had uh, execution issues. They had locker room issues, culture issues. All of that's real, I think, from the outside looking in. But I think that they have some personnel that when healthy can be much better. And so I think that they're closer than I think. And Russell Wilson might not have a team in two weeks, which is not very close at all to winning a Super Bowl. So also not boarding this train. Next one into the station. One, Mitchell Haniger is back with Seattle. We heard him on Brock and Salk this morning talking about how happy he was to be back. He talked about watching a lot of Mariners games, you know, early kind of keeping an eye on them. And then he had to stop because it kind of made him sad. Like, I think he's genuinely happy to be back. And Scott Service saying it's kind of a different Mitch that's back this time. He's a little more open about his experience. He's he's just, you know, a little bit different. And I think that's very cool because this team could use a couple leaders. Now, let's talk about Mitch uh, when it comes to him being at the plate. His best year was obviously in 2021 when he hit 39 home runs. He appeared in 157 games, which ties a career high for him. As we know, since then, he hasn't appeared in more than 61. That was last year with the Giants, 57 in 2022 with Seattle. This is the hype train. Mitch surpasses that home run total this year. More Ooh. than 39. Ooh, you know what? Um, it's it's in the, the Pacific Northwest air, right? It's just different up here. You know, I used to, we flew down to LA to play UCLA one year. This is, uh, you know, old man rambling right now. <laughs> Uh, and my buddies who were born in Washington State got down to L.A. They're like, oh, my God, what's that smell? I go, it's the air, homie. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I got back up here. I go, yeah, it is different. It's a bit more pure. So I'm going to say that the purified air of the Northwest is going to allow Mitch to do what he does, have an all-star year, and hit dingers all year. It's going to happen. Okay. I'm on the train. 
Mitchell Hannigal, Hannigal, Mitchell, <laughs> Mitch Hannigal will uh, surpass his career high of 39 home runs in a single season this year. Bump is boarding. It's all vibes. Curtis, are you? Man, I want to pick up those vibes, Bump. I really do. But 40 do home it. runs is ridiculous. Why not, ridiculous. Curtis? Why not just, just do, do it? it? Why don't you just do it, Curtis? Everybody's, so Everyone's many. doing it, Curtis. Why don't you want to be cool? Why don't you want to be fun and popular? I would love to board this train. I really, uh, it looks like it's going to a tropical destination. Like, I want to go, but I just, I don't have those kinds of funds right yeah, now. Yeah, I can't. I'm kind of, the, what's rule number two of the show, Curtis? Don't watch other people's pockets. That's right. Who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to board that train because 40 home runs is a ridiculous total for anybody. Uh, not for Mitch. That's, well, maybe not, but <laughs> I would love to be proven wrong. Believe me. I don't see it happening, though. If rule number one of the show is do it for the clout, rule number two is don't watch pockets. Should rule number three be give Reggie his Heisman? Reggie Bush, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's rule multiple number. Reggies it's in rule, the Bum and Stacey universe. That's canon, yeah. It's I just you know it's uh, it, rule number three. Just you know, just thinking about it. Oh, uh, I did get some good suggestions, but we are right up against the clock. So maybe I'll see what I can carry over to what I need to know as questions. Um, if you want to get more questions in, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Send those in now. What I need to know coming your way next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airline Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. It's what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, and Electric. Get your questions into the Mac and Jacks text line eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. First one uh, are a couple hype trains that I converted into uh, questions. Cheater. Um. Cut Gino, sign Locke, and Wilson to compete for the starting job. What say you? I say you crazy. <laughs> okay. You crazy. Flipping it. Keep Gino, sign Wilson to compete for the starting job. What you say really you? really crazy. That's kind of fun. That's mess. That's that's messy. It is messy. That's messy. It's very messy. You know that? That's like but when I'm messy. that's like when uh when guys get caught up with their three side pieces and they all link up and he walks into the room and they're all together. That's what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, John Tucker must die. Yeah, essentially. Uh, or it's, uh, I kind of don't want spoilers, but on Love is Blind, one of the women to one of the men catches him in a lie uh, oh, yeah. by tracking his Apple Watch and not his phone. Ooh-wee. Yeah, he was being sneaky. And she knew the answer the whole time, but wanted him to walk into I it. I learned that the hard way. If my wife ever asked me a deep question, I go, she knows. We always know. Let's just fess up right now. <laughs> okay, I did not do the dishes like I said. I did. <laughs> like if she says, did you do the dishes? You know she knows know she you knows. didn't do like, the no, dishes. I, I, I didn't do them. Uh, will the Seahawks and Mariners both win a playoff game slash series? Guaranteed. Ooh, okay. Guaranteed. Okay, so ALDS again for the Mariners, assuming yep. they're a wild card. Yep. Uh, and uh, divisional the for the Seahawks. Get out the wild card, wild excuse card. me. Get okay. out the wild okay. card, yeah. Um, this one was also a hype train, so flipping it to a question. Can you see a world where Julio wins MVP and a Mariners starter wins a Cy Young? Yeah, so Julio, and then I'm going to go. Castillo was in it for a little bit, and then it kind of fell off towards the end. Uh, Curtis, which one? Who are you picking? What pitcher would do it? Uh, I am going to say George Kirby. I think he's just going to have another phenomenal season. Castillo will probably be second, but I think Kirby is the likeliest to win the Cy Young out of the Mariners starting rotation. Curtis, this seems like something you would know. When was the last time this happened for a team? 
to win MVP and Cy Young. Yeah. I know the Tigers did it with Miguel Cabrera and Justin Verlander. I wonder if there was a more recent example. I'm sure somebody's going to text it in. Um, but it has happened before that a team has won MVP and Cy Young in the same year. What I need to know. Um, if our Matt Nelson was at bat in a spring training game, would he A, step in the box and hit a dinger, mm. B, immediately drop into the fetal position, mm. or C, bribe the ump with PB&Js to call all balls and get on base <laughs> without showing any athleticism? Matt would stand there holding the bat like it's a cane. Like, I'm not even swinging. It's herping pitch so I can get this over with. <laughs> That's what I think Matt I would do. I actually agree. Yeah. Uh, Curtis? The <clears throat> correct answer is B, drop into the fetal position. <laughs> Matt? Curtis is right, it's B. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. What I need to know, it sounds like former Coug Clay Thompson's going to test free agency. Where would you guys like to see him go? Bump, your Lakers? Sorry if you've already addressed this. We haven't. Clay Thompson, Michael Bump is here. Go Cougs. We we'll always have a place for you in Los Angeles. LeBron loves bringing over guys who are uh, seen as washed up, which is crazy. Michael Bum's the second. You say that again about Clay. We throw in hands, all right? Don't disrespect Clay like that. To the Lakers, we need a spot up shooter. Give it to Clay. Mm -hmm. Let's get it. Um, what I need to know do you think if the Mariners don't get to the ALCS, it's time for DePoto and Service to be fired? It all depends that would mean on they the journey. get to at least the ALDS. I don't think that's Which is final. an improvement from yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's the journey, too, right? You want to see how this team performs, who's injured, who's not, who balls out. No, I think they're good. It sounds bad to say this because, A, it's easier to make easier in quotes to make the playoffs than it used to be in MLB but I think the bar is playoffs and I wish I could say the bar is you're in the ALDS like I wish I could say that's mm -hmm. the minimum mm -hmm. but to me given that they missed it last year given that they had to scale back payroll and it sounds like that was potentially unexpected for Hollander and DePoto the answer for me is make the playoffs and then there's a different conversation to be had if they don't for a second consecutive year make the offs make the offs Curtis you agree agreed Get right. there. What I need to know. I like this one. Finish the sentence. If the Mariners were to sign Matt Chapman, they become a blank team. 92 win team. Ooh, great choice for an answer. Curtis. More complete team. Ooh. I'm going to say fun and friendly. <laughs> <laughs> no, fun for the whole family. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to say contending. I think that okay. if you look at getting the division, yeah, I wish I would have asked my regret in our interviews today is not asking Jordan Schusterman, who we had on more about what the Rangers and Astros have done this offseason. I just haven't been watching especially closely, mm -hmm. but I do know that was it zips who had um, maybe it was fan graph uh, win projections that had the Mariners ahead of the Rangers. I think it was fan graphs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. I haven't been keeping a close eye on what the Rangers have done or why that regression is there. I know at times they felt like kind of a lucky team or kind of a surprisingly they, good team. The Rangers didn't do any big splashes <laughs> this offseason. They just were kind of filling their needs with uh, homegrown players. Mm -hmm. And then they should have one of the best minor league bats debuting at some point this, uh, this upcoming season in White Langford. Yeah. But I mean, so. if, if you add Chapman to further our conversation here because yeah. all of us are looking at them as being essentially a blank better team um 
you just have another answer that you didn't before. You will have answered three huge questions you had entering the, the offseason. What are you doing at DH? What's your answer at second? What are you doing at third? Which became a question, obviously, after trading Gino Suarez. You've also added uh, a corner outfielder, which was a huge question for you. I mean... No mas preguntas. Assuming that Hanager stays healthy, that's a pretty good group. You've answered a lot of questions mm-hmm. with very limited funds. Mm-hmm. Duh. Next question, what I need to know, does NIL money in the transfer portal affect NCAA basketball as well? I never hear much about it. Yeah, yeah. who did we talk to uh, last uh, week? We had Tate Frazier on last yeah. week. He was like, it's even worse, man, because um, oh, I forgot ex- exactly what he said, but it definitely does. There's money being thrown around, and there's more... Um, more texts and phone calls being made apparently well, in basketball. You think about the impact one guy has on a right. basketball team compared mm-hmm. to a football team. If you land that one significant transfer in basketball, like you could take you to the NCAA tournament. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bump, what are you drinking out on the golf course and how much is too much? Ooh, every time she kisses me, it's like <laughs> sunshine and whiskey. Drinking whiskey. whiskey. Can you walk around on a golf course like Vegas open container, open just like container. sipping? Really? Just sipping. Wow. Oh, it's beautiful. Who knew? Beautiful day, 75 degrees. Yeah. Woo. Love it. Matthew, let's do it. Next week, you and me. Golf course. <laughs> Matt's face. <laughs> I'm in for the booze, but the golf. Fine, you drive the cart and drink. I can do that. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, sure. All right, you guys, that will do it for us today. For Michael Bumpus, Matt Nelson, not an MLB player, and Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Ross. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.